This message by Bill Kittrell was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Bill serves as a senior pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Exodus chapter 19. We're going to read a few verses out of chapter 19 and then turn over to chapter 20. Read the Ten Commandments. We're having a summer series on the Ten Commandments. This is God's Word. It's inerrant. It's inspired. It's authoritative in our lives. We're going to look at it carefully today. So if you don't have a copy of the Scripture, please raise your hand and the ushers will give you a free copy. You can take it home with you. I want everybody to be able to read along, follow along as we look, beginning in chapter 19, verse 3. The Lord called to Moses out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation these are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel down in verse 17 then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. Chapter 20 verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, 
For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountains smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Oh Lord, grant us the fear of the Lord. Lord, unite our hearts as we study these commandments. Let us know them, Lord. Let us understand them. And most of all, Lord, let us obey them for your glory. In Jesus' name. There's an iconic photograph that appeared in Life magazine in 1958. It shows a drive-in in Salt Lake City. It's iconic because it's a, a photograph that captures a different world than we live in today. What I want you to notice is the movie that was showing. See that guy in the picture? That's Moses. The movie was The Ten Commandments. I read an article where a guy described it as Cecil B. DeMille's biblical epic about an original Game of Thrones. The movie won seven Academy Awards, including the Best Picture. It starred Academy Award winners. Charlton Heston was Moses and Yul Brynner was Ramesses. It was directed by the most famous director in Hollywood, Cecil B. DeMille. 
It, it's just hard to imagine, isn't it, today? The Ten Commandments being welcomed in our culture like this. Although ABC shows it every year. It has shown it for 48 straight times, except once, 1999, for some reason. must have been a bad year. 48 times, but who watches ABC anymore? J.I. Packer said this, writing in 1993, we have largely lost them, the Ten Commandments, and that is our folly. Until quite recently, they were basic to the religious training that Western nations gave their young. Before I was 10, I was made to memorize them at a public school. And so were most children of my day. But all that has changed. Prejudice against memorizing as an educational discipline, against the Old Testament, against law in the church, and against religion in schools has led to a state of affairs in which few in the churches and fewer outside can repeat the Ten Commandments, let alone explain them. The Reformers and Puritans who wrote literally dozens of catechisms for Christian education based on these three classic formularies, the commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer would weep over us if they knew how far we had fallen from the standards they set. In a godless and immoral age like ours, 1993, ignorance of the commandments Listen, is as great a spiritual weakness as one can imagine. But it is, alas, widespread. And on moral issues, we fumble accordingly. Wow. Kevin DeYoung has a book called Ten Commandments, available in the bookstore. I highly recommend it. He said this, it would probably be embarrassing for both children and adults if we randomly picked people on a Sunday morning to come up front and recite the Ten Commandments. But I love to embarrass people, so <laughs> let me just go through the crowd here this morning. I'm just going to call you up. Just come up, walk through them slowly, would you? I'm not going to do that. Why are we doing a summer series on the Ten Commandments? Because we shouldn't neglect them. We should study them, we should try to understand them. By the grace of God, we should seek to obey them. It really is evidence of spiritual weakness if we don't. We must obey the Ten Commandments for the right reasons. It's, it's easy to have the wrong motivation. It's easy to be legalistic. It's, it's easy to pursue the wrong goals. It's easy to use the law in the wrong way and actually harm a relationship with God. But most people get this today. It seems. Not everybody. And we want to teach the gospel and celebrate the gospel to ensure that this is crystal clear. But God gave the commandments... That they might be obeyed. Not to earn salvation. 
We, we have to obey them for the right reasons, but we have to obey them. And that means we're going to have to stand alone in this culture often. Because we're going to look different. We're going to have rules the world doesn't understand. We're God's people. We're set apart to live according to God's ways. And these ways are not the ways of the world. These commands reveal the heart and the nature and the character of God. They tell us what matters to Him and we want to benefit from them. So let's look at these commandments. Today is just more of an overview. And here we saw in Exodus 19, God announced to the Israelites His desire to embrace them as His special treasure. And then in Exodus 20, he comes to declare to them the conditions to which they must agree in order for this unique covenant, this agreement to be established between them. And these texts capture the Old Testament dilemma. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, you've seen this dilemma many times. God wants to reveal himself to humanity Humanity needs a revelation of God because God's presence is our life, our spiritual life. But that presence has got to be partly an absence. There has to be a concealment because the holiness of God's nature makes it impossible For the Israelites to come into direct contact with him. We're picking that up as we read this text. The Old Testament emphasizes there's a barrier, a significant barrier that exists between the Lord and humanity. Because God is holy. That doesn't change in the New Testament. Exodus 19 draws attention to this majestic holiness. It it shows that before the people can ascend the mountain, they have to be sanctified. Only then can they come close to God. And the Ten Commandments are are the obligations. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 20, God spoke all these words. God spoke all these words, the words. He said, I am the Lord your God. God spoke these words, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It it means that what we are going to be studying this summer is accurate. This is what God said when he spoke to his people. In our text, they're not called the Ten Commandments, even though your Bible probably has a heading at the top of the chapter that says the Ten Commandments. Rip it out right now. Just rip it right out of there. Just kidding. But they're, in the text, they're just called the Ten Words. And you'll hear this, this uh, description of the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. That's just Greek for ten words. That's literally what it says, the Ten Words. Later, In Exodus, they are called the Ten Commandments, but here, they're the Ten Words. And what we want to do this morning is just consider 
a few issues so that we can know these 10 words, so that we can study them, and so that we can obey them and have a fruitful summer. Number one, here's an issue. Let's consider this. The Ten Commandments are not laws, technically, designed for a courtroom. They're not, in that sense, legalistic rules. They're not laws designed for a courtroom. They are principles that God's people are to live by. They're overarching, kind of summarizing principles for God's people to live by. They, they're worded broadly. They're meant to establish a worldview, a value system that's going to distinguish this nation, God's nation, Israel, from every other nation on earth. They, they will be foundational for laws. In the book of the covenant that's yet to come in Exodus, they will be foundational. They will present, they do present a set of values that laws will grow from. But they are not, strictly speaking, laws. They're principles. They're not intended to cover every detail of our lives. They're selective. They're broad principles. They had a profound effect on Israel. And they have had a profound effect on many nations since then. Just with these broad principles, the Ten Commandments. When I was raising kids, I had some broad principles. I didn't want to have to get into every detail. For example, thou shalt not roughhouse. We're not squirrels. We don't live in the woods. We live in a house. That's the broad principle. You break something in the house... And you're going to be punished. There will be smoke and fire coming from the mountain. Once I told about one of my sons writing on the door. And he was in trouble. I saw his name on the door. And I went to him. And I said, did you write on the door? And he smirked at me. Like, yeah, I did. <laughs> and I thought, do you know, thou art about to die. <laughs> you don't look like a young man that gets that. And then he explained to me he'd already, already been punished by his mom. Give me five, man. You only get punished once. But the, it was a broad principle. I didn't have a rule, do not ride on doors. I had a rule, you damage the house. You get punished. You shouldn't do that. Now, you should be able to figure that out from the broad principle. You don't write on the door. That's what the Ten Commandments are like. They're, they're broad principles. They are spelled out in laws later. But they apply broadly for that reason. A second issue to understand, they're given in the context of the Lord's redemptive work. The Lord rescued Israel from slavery in Egypt. It was 
remarkable what he did. In chapter 19, verse 4, you yourselves, you've seen what I did to the Egyptians. He rescued these slaves from a powerful nation. How I bore you. You're my treasured possession. You've been redeemed. I bore you on eagle's wings. I brought you to myself. Chapter 20, verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. They're being exploited. He heard their cries. It's like Psalm 50. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I'll deliver you. You will glorify me. That's what is going on in Exodus 19 and 20. Redemption has already taken place. I am, verse 2, the Lord your God. He chose them. This is the Lord's sovereign grace that has made them his treasured possession. Then he gave them the Ten Commandments. I trust you remember in 1 Peter chapter 2, we, we studied this verse. Peter, obviously influenced by these texts in Exodus, said, You are a chosen race, a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. He's echoing Exodus that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The church, too, God's people today, the church is his treasured possessions. He is a personal God. In Christ, he's always for us. He gives commands for our good. He's on our side. And here are ten principles for us. As God's new covenant redeemed people, the church is the Lord's treasured possession. We're a holy nation in one sense, a spiritual nation, a royal priesthood. The Lord is our God. And so we delight in, we are to delight in the Ten Commandments. They come to us like they did to the nation of Israel in the context of his re redeeming work. We are Caleb's testimony. It's a, it's a work of redemption. And there's this joy and love for God that springs from that. That's what John is talking about in 1 John 5, 3. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. They're, the Ten Commandments are not instructions on how to get out of Egypt. They're rules for slaves who have been delivered. They're instructions for how to stay free. The law comes after the good news of deliverance. The Lord didn't come to the Israelites when they were in bondage in Egypt. Give them these commands and tell them, if you keep these for a little while, I'll come back and deliver you. I'll set you free. He heard their cry. He saved them because he loved them. And then the commandments were given them to show them a new way to live. 
and they were meant to be a blessing. One Old Testament scholar says this, it's on the basis of what God has already done for the Israelites that they are invited now to respond with gratitude, embracing the responsibilities He places upon them so that they may experience as the people of God the full blessing of God. A blessing that results from lives committed to the values expressed in the Decalogue, the Ten Ten Commandments. Salvation is the reason we obey. And it's, it's a blessing. Obedience is a blessing. We just had all the graduations and we saw these kids, many of them who had grown up in our church and we'd watched them with their families. And one of the things I noticed so much was how much joy these kids had brought to their parents. And I commended a number of different young men and women and just saying, it's just so fun to see how happy your parents are with you because you have lived in in their home and you have honored them and obeyed them and followed them and they are happy about it. But let me tell you, I look at those kids and say, that's nothing but street smart. That obedience is a blessing to you, young man, and you, young lady. There's no expectation in these Ten Commandments that the Israelites will contribute towards their salvation. They are delivered. They are saved. Third, third issue to understand, the Lord is the divine king of the nation of Israel in this historical context. He is their king. Later they will ask, For a human king, and that will be a great sin. But right now, he is their divine king. Politically, it's non-repeatable. He's their king, and for Israel in this historical context, God requires that if they would serve him and worship him as king then they have to follow these standards because they express who he is. This is an expression of the king, and it's his kingdom. If they're going to recognize the Lord as their king, they have to accept the Ten Commandments. It's a special relationship. A fourth issue. Notice, God spoke all these words. God spoke all these words. And that makes them unique. And that makes them special. There's a very important change in Exodus at the beginning of chapter 20, isn't there? The Lord is no longer telling Moses to go down and relay a message as a mediator to the nation of Israel. Like he did in chapter 19. There's a change. God is speaking all these words to the Israelites. And that's why we read down in verse 19 of chapter 20, the people said to Moses, you speak to us. You're the mediator. We'll listen. Don't let God speak to us. 
we might die if that happens again. Moses said, don't fear. God spoke to you like that to test you. Actually to help you so that you will fear him and you'll keep these commandments. Because you don't want to have another conversation with him. It's a unique feature of the Ten Commandments. This, this is a divine speech. It's different from all the other divine speeches you read about. In the Old Testament, it's in Exodus. Every other speech is mediated through Moses. Not this one. The Ten Commandments alone are spoken directly by the Lord to the people. They come from His mouth to them. God is he's displaying His power. Our God is a consuming fire. The living God is a consuming fire today. He was then. And He is displaying it. They saw, somehow, they saw the thunder. They saw. They heard. And he spoke these words. They're special. They're unique. I think they'll keep us from sin. They'll deliver us from fear of other things. He says, don't don't be afraid, but fear him. (laughs) The fear of God delivers us from all other fears. We are going to need to be courageous if we are going to obey these commands. And the fear of the Lord is the key. The best book on fear I've ever read is by the Puritan John Flavel, my hero. And the text for his treatise on fear is Isaiah 8, where again, the the prophet is speaking on God's behalf to the nation of Israel who has fallen away. Don't call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. Don't fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, Him you shall honor as holy. Let Him be your fear, and let Him be your dread, and He will become a sanctuary for you. The fear of the Lord will deliver you from all this conspiracy that they fear. The other people fear the fear of the Lord will deliver you. The text we were reading this morning is it's one of the greatest moments in redemptive history. We don't want to miss this. God is saying, I am the Lord. And I brought you out of a strange land and now I have a special word for my treasured possession. It had a special place as you would imagine. In ancient Israel, it should have a special place in our lives. In Deuteronomy 5, Moses said to the people, The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb on Mount Sinai. Not with our fathers did the Lord make this covenant, but with us, who are all of us here alive today. The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire. That's what you call a defining moment. 
May this summer be a defining moment for us. It's a spiritual high point for the nation of Israel. If you know the Old Testament, this, it doesn't get much better. There are going to be a lot of other laws in the Old Testament, but this is the Constitution. This is God's imperatives for God's redeemed people. This is an expression of His majesty, of His holiness. A fifth issue to understand is that God is speaking to every individual. God is speaking to each individual. In the Hebrew, you, in this text, is singular. All through the commands, it's singular. He's speaking to the individuals. He he is speaking to each person. He gave the nation these commands. The whole nation witnessed the event, but the Lord is addressing every individual. There's, There's a personal element to this that I think the Lord wants you and me to get this morning. No doubt, the Lord's going to speak to us as a church this morning and this summer. But he's going to be speaking to us. I hope this morning, but throughout this study of the Ten Commandments, to each of us as individuals. That's very important. The New Testament talks about how pastors keep watch over the souls of the congregation. And they will give an account before God. So one day, pastors of churches will stand before God and give an account for how how they pastored a church. For your soul. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, talking talking about ministers, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Each one's work, every pastor's work, will become manifest. For the day, the day of the Lord, when Christ returns, is going to disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire. There's that fire again. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Remember J.I. Packer's words, we've lost the Ten Commandments. It's our folly. The Reformers, the Puritans, John Flavel would weep where there's an ignorance of the commandments in the churches. A greater spiritual weakness cannot be imagined. So the pastoral team wants to put this on you. That's the purpose of this series. That is not a joke. (laughs) I am going to stand before God and say, uh, 2022, we did a whole series on the Ten Commandments. They're addressed to you. They're principles about the covenant. And there's a promise here. I will show steadfast love to those who love me and keep my commandments. Number six, Ten Commandments are 
principles that do have universal application. They, they, they are a special word to God's people, but they have their broad principles from the Creator. They're not in a legal context. They're not meant to be used in a courtroom. They're principles from the Creator. They express His nature. They're, they're broadly applicable. And that's why they've influenced many nations, including this one. We, we have to be careful how we handle them. How we relate to them. But, but the ethical values in these covenant obligations do have universal application. They're, they're approved by God himself. These are, this is his morality. <laughs> this is not a group of people getting in a room coming up with what they think is good. It's, it's Jesus said in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, you, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. They're, they're communicating God's nature so that by the grace of God, God's people will be like Christ, like God. They're not framed for a courtroom. They are intended to guide you to perfect moral behavior. This is... Pride Month. I bet you know what Pride Month is. I got an email from L.L. Bean this week making sure that I get outside with pride and celebrate the LGBTQ plus community. L.L. Bean. I'm their clientele. It's ubiquitous. Celebrate. It, it's not enough to say we love you. We have to celebrate the lifestyle. And we simply cannot do that. We simply cannot do this. In verse 14, it says, you shall not commit adultery. The context, and if you follow it out into the book of the covenant that flows from the Ten Commandments, it'll be very, very clear. The biblical worldview is sex is reserved for marriage between a man and a, a woman. Everything else is immoral. Because of how our culture is insisting on us celebrating on this, the pastoral team, I think they're behind me on this. I asked permission. Felt like we should make a statement in light of this context. Didn't have to with the text. But it's an implication of the text. Thou shalt not commit adultery. It's amazing to me 
how much the Bible has to say about sexual immorality. We cannot love our neighbor and celebrate homosexuality. We can't do it. I can't do it. My conscience is bound by the Word of God. These moral principles have universal application. Now, I know it's a very difficult month for many of you that work in your jobs and you are pressured about this. And I want to encourage you, you're, you're not the king. Your job is not to go and insist on the Ten Commandments being posted in your office. That's not your job. I hope it encourages you enough to say, this is where my church stands. In the church, it's different. We have to make a stand. I'm not saying you should never make a stand. But I want you to be released knowing you're in a church that will die on this mountain. I'm not going to go to prison. I'm going to retire. But Jake's going to go to prison. (laughs) I'm a little claustrophobic in jail cells. Just I don't know that I can do it. You don't want me to die, right? So I'm going to retire. Jake's going to prison. But we will die on this mountain. Finally, number seven, the law is good. The law is good. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. The redeemed delight in the Ten Commandments. They love the Ten Commandments. C.S. Lewis said... The good news of law is like the the good news of arriving on solid ground after a shortcut gone awry through the mud, muck, and mire, after fumbling about in the squishy, stinky mess, you're relieved to finally hit something solid, something you can trust, something you can count on. We can count on God's word. We can count on these commandments. We're going to have sort of a covenant renewal service. We're going to receive the Lord's prayer. So I'd like to invite the team to come up and Jake to come up and lead us in this Lord's Supper service. But I'm going to pray for us as as they come. Father, we do humble ourselves before you today and Lord we love your word we love the Ten Commandments we embrace them Lord we thank you for the gospel and the good news we don't earn our salvation through works of the law but we do love and delight in the law they express who you are Lord I pray that this church would be a faithful church, a covenant-keeping church for your glory alone. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message given by Bill Kittrell during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, 
visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.